Give us what we've been lacking. Father God, we give you this service today. We give this as an expression of love to you, God. If we're doing this just to do it, it's not worth it.
He was given to us. What a Christmas. Wow. What a gift. What'd you get for Christmas? Oh, I got an Xbox. Great. I got some jewelry. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. I, I got a new flat screen TV. Oh, isn't that great? So you can just watch all the lies you want. <laughs> why, 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 what'd you get? Oh, he set me free from a yoke of bondage and he delivered from death and now I'm walking here to the Wow. Now, the, the other interesting thing about this in, in this passage, and you can read it uh, later if you'd like, but in those first uh, five verses, it, it's quite a context. If you look at those verses, let me just give you the words that are in those verses. Dimness, affliction, vexation, shadow of death, garments of blood, misery, a yoke of burden, and a rod of oppression. Does that sound like the world? It sounds like the world. Aren't you glad that God is not afraid of bad situations? Aren't you glad that God runs toward evil, not away from it? Aren't you glad he's not shocked by sin? He's not dismayed by all of our failures and our mistakes? No, no. Israel was in a bad situation, and this tells me something about our lives as well. No matter how dark, no matter how bleak, no matter how bad the situation, God is preparing the Messiah for you. You may be in verses 1 through 5 right now, but Isaiah 9, 6 is coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> you, you, you can look at it in one of two ways. You can say, you know what? I'm in verses 1 through 5 right now in my life. It's miserable. There's a yoke of burden. It's vexation. It's affliction. It seems like death is all around me. But you know what? I'm either going to see this as a setting for my defeat, or I'm going to see this as a setting for God to do something amazing that I would never, ever expect him to do. And he did. He sent forth a child. A child. And in his own amazing way, he sent forth a baby. You would think, now wait a minute, wait a minute. In this situation, uh, in this bleakness, shouldn't we have like maybe 100,000 Deshaun's that just got out of boot, trip, boot camp and are trained to do battle and war and defeat the enemy? No. God says, here's the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring a baby. Hold that baby. That's what he's going to bring. Stormy's in the nursery, but we got our own sermon illustration right there. He sent a baby. A baby. Wow. What a savior. Aren't you glad he does things we don't understand? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So Isaiah, in describing the victory that's coming in verse 6, he, he does something, and I jokingly said this uh, the other Wednesday night, I think we were talking about the incarnation. And I jokingly said, we're going to attempt to use words. You know, we, we try to use words, and they just don't really work. But we're going to try. So Isaiah uses uh, words, starting in verses 6 and 7, and he tries to explain who this God is. And he starts with the first one, and he says he is wonderful. The word wonderful literally means full of wonder. And as you gaze at Jesus, you are full of wonder. Uh, this is the one who upholds all things by the word of his power. He sits on the circle of the earth. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain. He spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. He rides upon the heavens of heavens. He is full of wonderful wonder. He is untouchable. He's unknowable. He's undisclosed. He's immovable. He's unchanging. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is full of wonder. You can't see him or touch him. And even though he is all these things, 
Even though he is omnipotent, all full of power, he says, here are my hands, pierce them. <laughs> Even though his power knows no limits, he says, here are my feet, drive the spikes. Even though he's omnipresence everywhere, he says, here, here's the spot in the universe that you need to do it. Take the sword and put it right in this side, right here. That's the spot I'm controlling right now. For unto us. <laughs> what a savior he is. How wonderful. But he's also impossible to define. How, how do you define this? How do you understand this? How could God get thirsty? But yet God got thirsty. Little woman at the well, he said, I thirst. Give me something to drink. How could God get tired? But yet he got so tired that he who watches over Israel that neither slumbers nor sleeps got so tired that he fell asleep in the back of a boat during a storm. Hmm. Before he closed his eyes at night and saw all the starry skies, what did he think? He was laying on a bed on earth, but yet his word was holding together every one of the stars that he was looking at. His word was holding together the bed that he was on. His word was holding together the body that he was in. Wow, how wonderful, full of wonder. How, how could a 14-year-old boy not use the eternal power at his disposal to do whatever he wanted? How could a 16-year-old not resist frying some people to a crisp? I'm 62 and I've got a crispy list. <laughs> If you had that power, I wonder how many humans there would be on earth right now. One. You'd be the last one to go. <laughs> how could you be 13 and contain all the mysteries of the universe, teaching them in the temple? How, how, how could you do all that and then come home and your mother says, Jesus, go clean your room and help your father pick up the tools? How, how, does, how does that make sense? How could the King of Kings and Lord of Lords submit to humans? Wait in line to get baptized. Wait in line behind every filthy human being around him. But he waited in line. John said, I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. He said, no, this is the way it has to be to fulfill everything. What obedience. My goodness. Even as an adult, beginning his ministry, remember the first miracle was greeting wine at the, the marriage feast in Canaan land. And uh, <clears throat> Mary, his mother, came to him and said, the wine is getting low. <laughs> and, and, you know, at that point, I wonder why she did that. Because uh, she, she must have sensed his power, the beginning of his ministry. Did she sense something? Did she want to perform a circus trick for everybody? Or, or, or did she want to vindicate herself and say, you've mocked me for 30-some years that I've said that this child came from the Holy Spirit. You've mocked me. Now I'm going to prove to you he's going to make water and wine. And what did Jesus say? He said, woman, <laughs> let me tell you something. There's that woman over there. If you call your mother a woman, you better have a really good reason. <laughs> or you better be a really fast runner. <laughs> woman? And it's interesting, he didn't say mother. I believe he was beginning to speak as the Messiah. Woman, what business is that of ours? My time is not now. And then what do you do? He did it anyway. <laughs> 
did what his mother wanted him to do. Anyway, but he probably reinforced it by saying, I'm going to do this for you because I love you, you're my mother, but this is not the time. This is not, this is going to be meaningless. This doesn't mean anything compared to what's going to be happening. But, but the, the whole point of this is the creator submitted to his elders. There's a word there. The creator of the elders submitted to his elders. The creator of the womb that bore him submitted to the woman that had the womb. Submission. That's wonderful to me. I don't, I don't understand that submission. Because any time anybody says anything to me, the first thing that my humanity wants to do is bucket. Yep. I, I don't mean B-U-C-K-E-T. I mean B-U-C-K space I-T. Yeah. <laughs> I want to push back because I'm a human. Right. How under control he was. Think about, think about this one. We talked about this a while back. A carpenter in the Middle East. Remember, remember that as a carpenter, he was not buying his lumber at Home Depot. Right? Well, actually, nobody could buy lumber at Home Depot right now. He was not buying his lumber there. These were not real nice two-by-fours. These were not nice sheets of plywood. This was hard-hewn wood, hot in the Middle Eastern sun, ancient tools, rough wood. Never once did he swear when he got a splinter. Never once when that clumsy mallet hit his thumb. Never once when that loose board hit his foot. Not one stray word. The thought coming in was stopped immediately by the Spirit of God and how in control he was. Wow, what wonder. At 19, not one lustful thought. Wow, for unto us, <laughs> unto us, not some king, not some president, not some parliament, but unto you and unto me, this Savior came. What a Savior. The good news today is, you want a Christmas gift? Here's your Christmas gift. This disciplined God-man is your Savior. He is a high priest which is touched with the feeling of your infirmities, but at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and help in a time of need. Merry Christmas. What a Savior. He's wonderful. But also, also remember, he is the counselor, too. He's a counselor. Remember, he's unto us, so he's available to all of us 24 hours a day for counsel and advice. The word says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. And God will give it to you. May not give it to you right that second. He may lead you in another direction, but he'll give you wisdom. And usually, when we ask, his first response is, shut up. <laughs> be quiet. Be quiet. Wait. Wait. Meditate. Think. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Right? That's how we walk. But, but I believe there's a bit of a deeper meaning in this word counselor, too. It's both used as a verb and a noun. He is the counselor, right? But it also means to counsel. So your elder brother, as Savior and Lord, he has a purpose for your life. He is creating a design for your life. He purposes change and direction and seasons and growth and destinies. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. <clears throat> not not, not uh, just like a psychologist that sits there and, and, and waits for you to come up with the answer. He orders and designs your life. Uh, here's, a, here's a good pattern for you. A good pattern of living, Psalm 37. You, many of you might know it by heart, but it gives four things for you to work on in, in 2020.
22. Ready? Trust the Lord, right? And do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He'll bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as at the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Those are four things we can really work on in the new year. I can work on, not you. Me. Trust, delight, commit, and rest. Everybody say that together. Trust, delight, commit, and rest. One more time. Trust, delight, commit, and rest. Wow. Jesus said in Matthew 6, And when you pray, don't heap phrases upon yourselves like the Gentiles do, for they think that don't be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. What a counselor. What a counselor. He is purposing things. He's determining things according to his counsel. And it's full of wonder. But don't forget, his counsel, full of wonder, will accomplish all sorts of things in different ways. Just like when he was on the earth and he was going to heal somebody and he healed some people along the way. He delayed as he was healing and the sick person died. So he raised the person from the dead for his glory. He does things in his certain way and in his certain time. But he is the counselor that gives us everything that we need to understand life. All things have been given to us, the word says, that pertain unto life and godliness. We have everything we need. Uh, as I've said a million times, it's all in here. Right? It's all in here. So that, that's all you need. So he is the wonderful. He is the counselor. He is the mighty God and everlasting Father. We're going to take these two together. Mighty God and everlasting Father. We need to understand uh, who this Jesus is. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the wonderful counselor. He's not like the Father. He is the Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Again, forget it. Don't even try to understand it. You can't. It's impossible. We, we've tried over the years that <clears throat> all the Trinity is like uh, is like an egg, right? It has the shell, the white, and the yolk. The problem with that illustration is when you make scrambled eggs, guess what happens to the shell and the yolk? The shell is in the trash, right? So it doesn't work. The shell disappears. There's, there's no way to understand the Trinity. It's impossible. So he's not like the Father. He is the Father. He is not an angel. He is the creator of all the angels. He, he is not an emanation from God. He is God. He is not a created son. He is a begotten son. That is, he was not born in the earth. He was begotten into the earth. A body you have made for me, he said in the Old Testament. And I know, this is all weird. It's unfathomable. It can't be understood. But, <clears throat> would you want a God that you can understand? I don't think I would. That wouldn't make any sense if I comprehensive comprehend it. He is God of God, God of God. He is light of light. He is very God of very God. He is begotten of the Father before all worlds. Begotten, not made, the creed says. He is co-substantial with the Father. Jesus is the mighty God, not a mighty God. He is not one of many. He is not a way to. <clears throat> he is not one of the paths of. He is God. So, when you see this mighty God and everlasting Father, you understand that He is the Ancient of Days. When you see Jesus, you see El Elohim, the strong one. When you see Jesus, you see El El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. You see El Kedem, the eternal God. You see El Kayim, the living God. When you see Jesus, you see El Elyon, the most high Lord. When you see Jesus, you see Jesus, El Yeh, Asher El Yeh, I am that 
that when he was on the earth, they all fell down backwards on their backs because of the authority. This is, this is Jesus that we see in Revelation on that white horse, and his name is called Faithful and True, and his eyes are as a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns, and he has a name written that no man knows, only himself. He's clothed in a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God, but it doesn't stop there. This is the Jesus who treads out the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name that is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lord. All oh, hallelujah given praise. For unto us. What a Savior. What a Savior He is. But then He gives one last name. And this is so wonderful. He says, not only is He wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, but Prince of Peace. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful that He, that, that, that the prophet wraps it up. He wraps up all those names with peace, not warfare, not conquering, not any of those things. He says, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, he is the Prince of Peace. He is the healing balm of Gilead, where it says. The peace that passes all understanding. The joy unspeakable that resides deep inside of our hearts. The joy that comes in the morning after the weeping is gone. He's the keeper of peace. He's the bestower of peace. He's the ruler, the governor, the dispenser of peace. He said, peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Peace I leave. Aren't you glad that we don't have the world's peace? Amen. The world is at peace on Tuesday at 9 a.m. and by Wednesday night it's back to war again. Right? I remember that story uh, of, of World War One. Some of you probably know it. There's there's an actual name for the event and everything. But in World War One, on Christmas Day, in the trenches, the German army got up and the Americans and the British got up and they went out in the middle of the, of the battlefield and they sang Christmas carols together. And then 12 hours later, they started killing each other. I don't want that kind of peace. <laughs> I want permanent peace that Jesus gives me. So, so in this <clears throat> harried, harassed time of year, don't let society rob your peace. Don't let a lack of money, don't let fear of the future, don't let any of things worry or steal your peace. 2022 is going to be way greater than 2021, and it was greater than 2020, because each day we're getting closer to his coming, hallelujah, and each day he's making us stronger, we're growing stronger on the inside day by day as we approach that glory, so I can tell you right now, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is already preparing our 2022 for us, and it's going to be wonderful, so how do you know that?
you know what, 20 years from now, they won't remember that toy they didn't get. They'll, they'll remember every hug you gave them. Right. They'll remember every kiss you gave them. They'll remember every time you told you about, told them you loved them. They'll remember every chocolate chip cookie you made for them. But that silly toy, they won't remember. They won't remember. And if you've got little, little children, just buy them two boxes. <laughs>
Lord. The 